It would not be an Arsenal-filled return if it did not provide you with a shit ton of misery. <laughs> is that this is Brighton's first win in uh, 2020? You know, mm. that's uh, a, a of course really... it'll be us that they wish against. Exactly. Could only be us. Mm. Could only be us. If you look at the game in general, I know this is. It's not really, I know people probably won't want to hear this, but I don't think we should have lost that game. And that just felt like a game where we could, we so easily could have won that game, I think. If we'd been slightly more clinical and just, you know, it's just frustrating when they have basically nothing apart from two moments in the game and we end up losing. I think that is down to the manner in which we are attacking. I really do. I mm. think that we need. To we struggle to create chances in general. We do. I. High quality. I and that's shown in the XG stats. Your thoughts on the challenge from the man who scored the game-winning goal later on in the game? Um. I mean, I don't understand how people are defending him. Leno catches the ball. He's in midair. Mope is nowhere near getting. It's not a 50 50. I can't believe people say that. Mope is nowhere near Leno. Leno catches the ball. He's not getting the ball. He doesn't have a chance of getting the ball. I'm not saying Mope thinks I'm going to injure Leno here because he's caught the ball. I'm not saying that he's, that, that he's doing that. But he has intentionally nudged him completely pointlessly. It's a snide, unpleasant thing to do. I don't, don't care what you're saying. That is, you know, nine times out of ten, Leno is not going to get injured there. But there is a risk that you run when you are doing a pointless nudge when someone's in midair that could lead to a serious injury, and unfortunately, it happened. In my opinion, Burn Leno is our best player. That is just a mm. fact. I He's think the most that... important player. And I think this, this in general, this uh, not backing of Leno does sort of speak to a wider problem within the squad as you're saying the lack of leaders but also the lack of players with the right mentality that we want moving forward we really do need a cultural shift at the club and i think arteta is the right man to to bring this forward but do we have the recruitment panel who bring in players who will sort of fit that vision and will you know sort of age that cultural change for the younger players Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Arsenal Cannon Podcast Extravaganza featuring, as usual, myself, Daniel Fenton, and only two of us today, Sir Alfie Colshaw. Alfie, welcome to the 47th episode of our amazing podcast. How are you doing today, my friend? What are you saying, lads? Um, yeah, I'm decent. I'm decent. <laughs> Iconic, that now i'd say it's reached iconic stage iconic I would, levels i would agree it's it is mm. absolutely iconic that is your catchphrase mm. and, and it's not just that it's the, it's the intro as well welcome back to the arsenal cannon podcast extravaganza featuring myself daniel finton and of course the lovely london local lad alfie koshal how are you doing today alfie yeah that yeah that's also iconic the whole I, uh, thing's iconic yeah that was pretty offensive uh the way that you just um <laughs> portrayed me there I, I won't hold it too much against you but uh apologies apologies that's fine that's fine that's didn't fine. mean to demean you in any way 
You demeaned me, you degraded me, you Aunt Alfie, you humiliated me. You yeah, have yeah. Sorry. publicly humiliated me on this insurmountable platform. Mm. Well, some would say I need to learn a bit of humility. <laughs> you love to see it. We'll get into that uh, a little bit later on the podcast. We're going to have a, a little bit of Gwen Doozy talk because he's um, mm. he's in the Fucking news. I love that boy. Yeah. Oh, me too. Me too. Um, especially after the Brighton loss, dare I say, mm. Alfie. Um, Can I just say, isn't it 48? Or am I wrong? No, this one's 47. I, I made sure to Is look. It? Last one was uh, 46. Let me just make sure I didn't do two episode 46s now real quick. Now that you brought it up. <laughs> I think you might have. No, I don't. Oh, maybe no. No. Fair play. Yeah, don't That's fucking... Fair. Oh, no, I said it. Oh, yeah. Alfie's yeah. trying to stop saying fair play. He was discussing that mm. in the PPC pre-pod yeah, call. I told I said it too much, and I do, to be fair. Yep, there it is again, mm. so... Oh, wait, no, oh, that's... Well, that was slightly different. That was a cinnamon. 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 <laughs> cinnamon? I, yeah. I actually yeah. fucked up that one. I fucked up that one. It's fair play, not to be fair. Mm. I, say exactly. to be, I say to be fair a lot. Same. And not gonna lie, as if you'd ever lie for the thing that you're about to say. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't know if, like, I see myself as a chronic pathological liar or something. <laughs> So I the, say the it. amount of times we both say it, it seemed like we do think that. Yeah, but I don't really, I don't lie that much, you know. So mm, I don't really know same. why I, uh, I, I say that all the time. But well, whatever. Hey, you know what, Alfie? Mm. I've got an idea. Um, yeah. Seeing as Arsenal is back and playing, maybe we should actually talk about Finally. that. Yeah, it is a joy. As much as this week has been quite painful. I've just loved writing and talking about actual matches again instead of, you know, random shit that we were doing before. Right, also, yeah. Yeah, also just a side note. Um, again, we had technical difficulties. So, uh, yeah, my my quality of audio sounds worse. Just wanted to say that. I'm yeah. not just putting no effort in and having no, a shit mic. I mean, I do. Just Just move on, yeah. I think I think they get the point, and I don't think they really care that much. So we're probably gonna, don't. Yeah. We're gonna move on. Yeah, because you know, I mean, the voice that everyone wants to hear is mine. So it's true. I mean, you know, mm. you're the writer. I'm yeah. the talker. It's true. Mm. Mm. Anyway. Yeah, my voice is pretty shocking. To be fair, no, mine is way worse, dude. You, the fact that that your impersonation of it is actually less painful on my ears than my own pretty much speaks for itself <laughs> fair enough oh god said it yeah in. it was slightly different but yeah let's get but, into it anyway anyway um alfie really depressing loss mm. um obviously we've now returned to uh to the ball game in which we all love so much uh but it would not be an arsenal filled return if it did not provide you with a shit ton of misery, <laughs> you know. I mean, that we've had, we've had two games back. Um, we're only going to really cover the Brighton game today, um, just because I think the City game, like Arteta said, was just so it's a write off. They played us off the park. Honestly, it should have been more than three goals to nil. I am happy that it was Pep Guardiola in charge of Manchester City because I think he has like this weird element of of mercy to him, kind of. You know, where he's like, ah, eh, they're already dead. Just waste or just save your energy. You know, whereas maybe like a a Klopp 
or somebody like that would be like, fuck these guys. Let's put seven past them, you know. Mm. Uh, but Brighton, that, that one was the really bad one. And that's what we're going to talk about a lot today. Um, mm. Embarrassing, Alfie. Two goals to one. Um, I guess the way to start off would be by giving yeah, giving giving me your opinion on the team selection. What'd you think about it, man? Um I think it was natural that we were gonna it was, you know, inevitable we'd have a bit of rotation. I think probably the one that stood out was Kalasnach coming in for Tierney. I think that made sense on paper. Um because, you know, obviously we'd like to see more of Tierney, but you know, the fitness issues, you know, he hasn't played I don't think he's played two games in a week for us yet. Um, and obviously he was out for seven months. I think that one was understandable that that was going to happen. Um, and he'll probably be back in for Southampton. And then for Sheffield United, he'll probably be on the bench again. Kolasinac will come back in. Um, in terms of the midfield, I think the main sort of thing that we didn't really expect, or maybe there was a bit of, you know, there were whispers that this could happen was Bukayo Saka being used in midfield. And... I've got to say, before the game, I was slightly sceptical of just shoehorning a player who's played the entirety of his short career and, you know, his all his youth felt uh, football out wide, um, just shoehorning him into a central area. But um, I think it was a deliberate tactical um, implementation and I thought it worked quite well. So I, I was pretty happy with that. Other than that, it was sort of what I expected. Um, obviously centre-backs we didn't have anyone else available other than Mustafi and Holding midfield we were a bit bare I think when losing and Tobias were inevitably going to start so yeah in terms of the actual team selection I wasn't too surprised it was, it was more the sort of shape and system we went with that was was very interesting to me yeah um it kind of on paper a lot of people thought that it was going to be like a 4-4-2 but it turned out to it definitely I don't think it was a 4-4-2 it was definitely mm. like a what would you say that was? Maybe like a four, a four three three, four, three three flat, yeah. maybe or yeah, I think it was a four three three, and I think in terms of the way we set up, it was very similar to um, sort of a Manchester City system when you have mm. the tucked in fullback, which was um, Bellerin, um, who was very tucked in. He's pretty much playing as a central midfielder, auxiliary central midfielder for a lot of the game, um, and also the the use of Saka sort of in that Mazzala role, you know, mm. he, he was interchanging very nicely with Albamian. That was causing Brian a lot of problems, particularly in the f- opening sort of 20 minutes. I um, mean, you know, Albamian driving inside, Saka going on the outside. And I thought Saka, that, that worked really well for a lot of the game. And I thought it was a really interesting tactical ploy from Arteta. And it was sort of that Kevin De Bruyne um, role, you know, the Mazzala who attacks sort of the half spaces, you know, combines with the wide players. Um, and it, that worked quite well. I think the other tactical element to it was Sabios. Uh, Gwenduzi was obviously the six who was playing quite deep. I think at times he was left defensively isolated and Sabios um, was sort of in between a Mazala and a six. So he was sort of, sort of straying out to the right, but I don't think it really suited him in a way. And I thought he had quite a poor game. Mm. I think this is a thing that I didn't really think about during the game but Vin I pointed out in his tactical piece that I think the thing to do with isolating Pepe was um, obviously Bellerin was tucked inside so he was carrying Aaron Moy Aaron Moy was playing on the left for Brighton inside which meant that Pepe could be isolated against 
six foot seven Dan Byrne, which on paper should be, you know, theoretically he should be able to sort of, you know, destroy Dan Byrne with his lack of pace considering mm. his height. Um, we didn't really exploit that enough, unfortunately. No. Yeah, sorry, that was the tactical, the tactical tangent I wanted to go on. Oh, oh yeah, also absolutely. the the class, the class and element to it. I think the idea was that he was sort of filling in the role that Granite Shaka normally plays in mm. that system when he sort of plays as that auxiliary uh, left back as part of a three. You know, he's there to progress the ball, and I know it's sort of to offset the weaknesses he has. If he goes forward, he he can struggle to get back, but I don't think it really got the best out of him. I think I think he struggled. Um, and I don't think that role suited him at all. And that was it was a weird position he was taking up. Normally you associate Kalashnats with driving in behind um and providing that constant overlap, but we didn't see that at all. He was really deep part of that back three almost and it, it didn't really work for me. Yeah, it, I agree completely. And I was uh we were listening I was listening to Arscast and James was saying that mm. he was deployed in that role, like you said, to kind of prevent his uh, shortcomings from being portrayed. Basically, you know, he had a lot mm. less space to cover than a lot of other people on the pitch did. Um, but like you were saying, Kalasinac's strongest suit is definitely going forward and uh, providing that overlap. And yeah, I completely agree with you. The uh, The system did not get the best out of the Bosnian at all. Um, mm. Alfie, I just have... You went off on a on your little tangent with a um, with the uh, with the stats and or not stats rather the uh, tactics That's and everything cool. like that. Um, yeah. I've got two really 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 depressing factoids here, courtesy of um, factoids. Yeah, courtesy of NBCSN's commentators, man. And I just I heard these and I was like, wow, these are damning. I mean, the first one that everybody has heard is that this is Brighton's first win in twenty uh, twenty. You know, mm. that's a, a, a Of course really... it would be us that they wish against. Exactly. Could only be us. Mm. Could only be us. And uh, that's their first win of this calendar year. So that is humiliating. But this one mm. I would find even more so. This is the first time Brighton have ever done the double on a top 10 Premier League side in their history. That doesn't really surprise me, to be honest. That is fucking embarrassing, man. Mm. Yeah, and I think if you look at the game in general, I know this is, it's not really, I know people probably won't want to hear this, but I don't think we should have lost that game, you know, obviously on paper, but I'm, I'm talking about, I know the, the XG, have to mention it, um, ended up, as pretty equal. I think it was 0.7 to 0.7 on um, FB ref and 0.7 to 0.9 something on Infogal. So it was, it was very even, but I think for 75 minutes, we basically subdued them to literally nothing. Mm. Um, it was, you know, they had very, very little going forward until they scored their goal. And then the other goal, um, and we really should have closed that out. Um, I, I know we didn't create a load of high quality chances, but we had a lot more efforts on goal. We had a, we had a lot more possession, and that just felt like a game where we could we so easily could have won that game. I think if we'd been slightly more clinical and just you know, it's just frustrating when they have basically nothing apart from two moments in the game, and we end up losing. 
if you get what I mean. Yeah, no, and I think, I, I personally think, I was saying this on Twitter a few times, I don't know if you agree with it, I don't think mm. we actually, I, 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 I agree with you, I don't think we deserve to, to lose that game. I think we were really mm. unlucky on the day. To be honest, I, I mean, think a draw probably would have been a fair result in terms, you know, if you look at the XG. Mm. But, you know, that's what I'm saying. We limited them to two moments in the game and they scored both their moments, which was the really frustrating. The, part of it. And now, okay, the, the issue I have with this, Alfie, is I think that is down to the manner in which we are attacking. I really do. I mm. think that we need to... We struggle to create chances in general. We do. I, high quality. I and don't... that's shown in the XG stats. Exactly. You, you said 0.7 XG for that, for that game? That correct? was uh, info. That was uh, FB ref. Uh, info goal had it slightly higher, 0.9 something. Nonetheless, that's, that's not good. You know, that mm. is not good with, with the attack that we have. Against Brighton. Yeah, that's not good. I think we completely lacked any kind of penetration in that game. There were so many completely insignificant passes made in that game, Alfie. I was mm. looking at goal.com stats, and I think this pretty much epitomized it. In the first half, our three, our, our three players who had the most passes in the game, who coincidentally, by the way, had the most passes on the pitch out of any other player, were all defenders. Mm. You know, and that that mm. shows that we're just basically holding on to the ball in the back and not really doing anything with it. You we, know, we so. definitely moved the ball too slowly for a lot of the game. That we really lacked urgency, particularly the, the time where I found that the most frustrating was after they'd scored and we were just sort of we weren't showing up. We didn't seem like we really, you know, normally in that situation after you concede, you're like, oh shit, we need to win this game. We'll push on, and you know, we'll be urgent. We didn't really change our approach play. We we continued being. Mm quite pedestrian in our in our passes and deep areas you know and it was frustrating um i think our best attacking moments did come with the saka albamian interchanges i think they had some very nice link ups at time and i, I actually think albamian had quite a good game i know that may not be that popular um i know he didn't score but he had several shots um i think he had seven on the day in fact which is a very high number and I think he was trying to do stuff. Him and Saka's interchange in that left-hand side was very nice. Um, but in general, it is a problem. We don't create enough shots, and I uh, we don't create yeah well yeah we don't create enough opportunities to shoot, and we don't create chances in general. And I think that does stem from the midfield in, in general. We've got a lot of ball progressors, but we don't have a creative player who can you know you can progress the ball as much as you want and get it into the areas. But if you don't get, have a player in those attacking areas to make things happen and create chances, it's, it's going to be a problem. And we lack that so badly at the moment. Ozil's passed it. He used to be that man. Um, and yeah, it's too many sort of ball progressors who can, you know, they can progress the ball. They're very neat and tidy on the ball. Don't cause many turnovers, but in terms of actually making chances, it's a problem. Yeah, no, field. I, I, I 100% agree. I think we have too many, I don't know if you could describe them as box-to-box midfielders, maybe, at the I club. think it's, it's sort of ball progressors, players who are very good at progressing the ball and very good at ball retention, but they're not... They're, yeah, they're, they're eights, essentially. Yeah. They're not, they're, we don't have, and they're not attacking eights enough of them. They're not a driving force in the midfield that's going to mm. create a, a, a lot of chances. And, you know, it's not to say that the mm. likes of... Of Guendouzi, Granit Xhaka, Danny Ceballos. It's not to say that that those guys are not good players, you know, mm. because I think they're all good players in their own in their own individual way. 
But if you have a midfield that's, let's say, it's those three players. We've seen that midfield before of Ceballos, mm. Granit Xhaka, Matteo Guendouzi. That, there's no penetration. There's no yeah. penetration there. They're, they're, uh, they're not creative in a way. I think they're, if, you, if you're looking at radars and stats and stuff, <laughs> they're all they all put up very good deep progression numbers and pretty good XG build up numbers and you know pass pass accuracy numbers will be very high they're neat and tidy turnover numbers will be low um, but you know if you're looking at key passes and XA um, and just assists in general and even goal threat you know XG none of them provide at all any goal threat and none of them pro- provide any direct chance creation it's all involved in the deeper build-up play it's not being involved in the final third and creating chances so yeah that's a problem yeah you know and uh, honestly Alfie I was going to go into a bit of a a summarization about the game but Mm. I think it would uh, frankly I think with the amount of stuff we have to talk about um I think I do want to talk about the Leno injury yes yeah I'm I'm gonna cover Mm. that but as for like highlights of the game and stuff you guys mm. have all seen them already. You know you know what happened. Uh, Pepe scored mm. a good goal. I guess we can Brilliant. cover that briefly. Mm. Um, I don't think he played that well, though. I don't think Pepe played that well at all. Yeah. Um, and it I was think... a great, great goal, but other than that, he didn't really do much. Yeah, and I think that was a real wasted opportunity because when you've got a six foot seven, you know, I don't think he's actually... I think he's a very good defender, Dan Byrne, but he's six foot seven or six foot six. He's, you know, on paper... That is a player Pepe could roast easily, and we didn't make the most of that. I know that was the tactical plan to try and isolate him against him by bringing Bellerin inside, but we didn't get the ball enough to him, and, and Vin, I wrote about that in his tactical piece um, about the game. And yeah, I think that was a, a wasted opportunity for Pepe to really excel. Um, but he did produce that moment of magic with that brilliant goal. Um, another assist for Saka. Uh, but yeah, I think that's another thing worth pointing out. It wasn't you know, a brilliant carved open move. It was, again, relying on a bit of individual brilliance. It was a very mm. low XG shot. Um, and that is a problem for us, as we yeah, said. No, I completely agree. I mean, you look at the the build-up to that goal. It was just three players having a bit of individual brilliance. Ceballos destroys mm. somebody. I don't even remember who it was. He laid <laughs> oh, yeah, someone the on their ass. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm then sure Saka... That was beautiful. I Ceballos did not have a good game either, but that was love a lovely bit mm. of Spanish conquistador greatness. You love to see it. <laughs> um, I then Saka just a, that's what I love about Saka, man. He doesn't doesn't play the game in this this overly elaborate manner. He just does a little dinked pass up to Pepe. Pepe where he should be on the pitch. Tim Stillman tweeted this. Tim Stillman mm. said that's a position that Pepe should be. He's not a kind of chalk on the boots kind of winger. I don't think. I think he's yeah, a guy that cuts that- in. That was the thing about the the plan. We saw it. it we seemed far too wide and isolated, and nowhere near the rest of our players too often. You know, if you get him in in sort of the inside half space areas, um, inside the box, you know that is where he's going to do most damage. Yeah, exactly. You know, you look at Pepe's creative ability, his ability to score a goal, having him shoved out so wide. I think. He's a, he's a decent crosser of the ball. He's a good corner taker and everything like that. But mm. that is definitely not his strongest suit, I don't think. Not mm. at all. And that's why I think um, we'd excel if he had an overlapping fullback with him. Yeah, I completely agree with that notion, man. Completely. Mm. Um, let's let's touch on the, the Burn Leno incident. Obviously, mm. first things first, most important thing, Got a lot aside, from, <laughs> yeah. as, aside from saying fuck Malpai, is... Mm. Um, Mopay. 
Mope, whatever you want to call him. Moped, I don't give a shit. Um, Mo-cunt. Yeah. Uh, as as Gwen Doozy would call him, broke-ass motherfucker. Um, <laughs> no, hey, how about this? How about no mo Um Broke-ass bitch. <laughs> that is quality. Um, no, but most most important thing, genuinely, in all seriousness, uh, get well soon to burn Leno. From mm. what I've heard, it looks like he's going to be out for about nine months, is the estimate. Mm. Um, so we'll get into some nitty-gritty with that here in a bit. Um, but obviously, I'm going to go to you with this one, Alfie. Um, mm. Moped, whatever the hell you want to call him, jumped mm. into uh, Leno while he was off the ground. No punishment was given to uh, the, to the Brighton striker. Uh, mm. Like I said, Leno's reportedly out for nine months. So mm. what were your thoughts on the challenge from the man who scored the game-winning goal later on in the game? Um, I mean, I don't understand how people are defending him. Um, you know, I, you wouldn't have seen this because it was on British broadcasting, but Rio Ferdinand was a, let's just say, defending him, as you'd expect. Um, and, you know, if that had happened to Rashford, or if that had happened to David De Gea, um, I'm not sure he'd have had the same, the same um, energy. Mm. Um, but you know, it's just Leno catches the ball. He's in midair. Mope is nowhere near. He's not a fifty-fifty. I can't believe people saying that. Mope is nowhere near Leno. Leno catches the ball. He's not getting the ball. He doesn't have a chance of getting the ball. I'm not saying Mope thinks I'm going to injure Leno here because he's caught the ball. I'm not saying that he's that he's doing that, but he has intentionally nudged him completely pointlessly. It's a snide, unpleasant thing to do. I don't don't care what you're saying. That is, you know, nine times out of ten, Leno is not going to get injured there. But there is a risk that you run when you are doing a pointless nudge when someone's in midair that could lead to a serious injury. And unfortunately, it happened. Obviously, he was trying to nudge him out the penalty area to get a free kick. And he had the audacity when Leno clearly went over in discomfort and was screaming. He had the audacity to complain and and you know ask the ref for a free kick <laughs> because he handballed the, the the ball outside the area. I mean, ah, oh, the twat. I just think I don't understand how people are defending him because I think that is I can't believe this sort of thing is being condoned and it there should be a harsher penalty for this because it is it is genuinely dangerous we've seen it in the past we've seen it with uh Debushi with that uh challenge with Arnautovic when he pushed him into the the boardings the hoardings I mean um which essentially mm. ended his Arsenal career we saw it with Alexis Sanchez at Carroll Road um I mean I, I don't understand how this is is being allowed um this sort of challenge which is genuinely very dangerous um and yeah, you you can't defend Mope in that situation. It's it's unpleasant. It's unnecessary. He's not getting the ball there, so therefore it's just an intentional attempt to win a free kick. Um, and then he has the cheek to celebrate when he scores, and then go on the TV and say we deserve what we got. Um, you know, he should be going on there and say I'm really sorry to Burn Leno for putting him out of it. You know action for nine months and costing Arsenal probably a load of points in the future and probably making us have to get a goalkeeper. I mean, it's just fuck Mope. Yeah, yeah. I completely agree Sorry with that everything rant, you said there. Fuck Mope. Nope, nope. 
No, it needed to be said, and I'm, mm. I'm happy you were the one to do it. Um, Vile, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree completely. Disgusting. Mm. Um, that Look, the, the, the thing is about it, I mean, Leno is, in my opinion, Bern Leno is our best player. That is just a mm. fact. I He's think the most that, important player. Agreed. Yeah. I think that this team right now, you remember the guys like Nacho Monreal, Bakary Sanya, you know, those guys put in a good performance or a, a, at mm. least an average performance every single game. Burn yeah, Leno. Out of 10 every day. Burn Leno is our only player in the squad at the moment that could carry that title. The only mm. player. The rest of yeah, the he, lot. He will are not consistent. drop below a seven. Maybe exactly. once or twice a season when he makes a mistake. That's it. We need a squad full of players like him, and we don't fucking have one right now. All mm. we have is one guy, and that guy now is out for nine months because of Mope. So thank you very mm. much. I'm happy as hell that Gwenduzi choked you at the end and <laughs> called you a broke-ass bitch. But the problem I have with this entire situation, Alfie, mm. while you can put some blame onto Mope because he's just a cunt, and you could put some blame onto Martin Atkinson because he's a dreadful referee. Yeah, a huge, huge, huge problem I have with this is the fact that none of those players, none of the pussies, stood up for Burn Leno. Mm. Well, I'm that saying is right. Yeah, embarrassing. That, I'm sorry, Alfie. I'm sorry. That is embarrassing <laughs> because I don't give a crap if we have a reputation of being the protagonist or a classy club or whatever you want to call us. The fact is, if those players would have bum-rushed Martin Atkinson and got in his face and said, what the fuck was that? Maybe mm. Mope wouldn't have been on the pitch after that situation. I don't know, the... because I think the law is that that sort of challenge is condoned and you don't get punished for it, which is ridiculous. So I don't think, I... I th I don't think Martin Atkinson was at fault for that particular decision. I think that's the law. Um, but I, I agree with what you're saying that particularly when Leno is barking at Mope as he's carried off the pitch, surely the players see that as, you know, he, you know, he's fucking pissed off him for making a pointless and cynical challenge, which he had no reason to do um, and has probably caused him a lot long-term injury. You know, that is the catalyst for us to sort of back him up and get in Mope's face and t call him a cunt then, there and then. Exactly. And and look, the, the problem is we have no – there is not a single leader on that pitch, Alfie. I'm sorry. There's not a single leader at Arsenal Football Club mm. at this moment in time. Some people can argue and say maybe Granit Xhaka has some well, leadership skills. if Xhaka had been on. on the pitch, he's probably one who would have probably been in Mope's face. And yeah. maybe David Luiz. Um, but Possibly. yeah, other than them – I don't think we have an archetypal leader and we don't have enough. If we're thinking of the whole squad, none of the players on the pitch did it. Gwenduzi did it at the end, but I think he was more pissed off at the defeat um, rather than that particular challenge. Obviously, that sort of came back into it. If we're looking at the whole squad, who would have backed Leno? Maybe Shaka and Louise? Maybe. That's maybe two players in the entire squad. See, if you're looking see, at the Invincibles team, I know players hmm. have changed a bit since then. You know, you don't see the same aggression in terms of backing your teammates, but it probably would have been 10 or 11 players in that squad backing them up. Exactly. Exactly. Mm. And, you know, you can you could slander off the, the Jose Mourinho teams where all of the players will, 
you know, surround the referee and cry like a bunch of babies about a call and things. But the yeah. fact is that gets things done because that pressures the referee to make a decision. You know, exactly. and maybe he wouldn't have sent him off, but at least he would have given him a yellow card or something that mm. at least was deserving of a yellow card. He was he got to uh, burn Leno after burn Leno had possession of the ball and he got no punishment whatsoever. We saw Alexandra Lacazette tackle or slide tackle rather uh, Brighton's goalkeeper. That was mm. not a bad challenge at all. Alfie. I mean, it was it was a foul, obviously. Yeah. But Lacazette got, got a, I, he got a yellow card for that. Are you mm. kidding me? And then Eve Basuma goes on to make six fouls. Six. Six. I don't care if all of them were quite small, you know, not particularly cynical fouls. Mm. There's a there's the, the rule, and Martin Atkinson should know this. The tallying up of fouls results in a yellow card. Otherwise, players could just make fucking fifty fouls a game. You know, as long as they're small fouls and not get booked. He made six yep. fouls. He, he could have kept going and he didn't get a single yellow card. That infuriated me. As much yeah. as I thought Basuma actually had a great game. And I don't really blame him for making those fouls because he could get away with it. I'm blaming Martin Atkinson for fucking not acting. Exactly. I completely agree. And then the thing is about it, though, Alfie, it's like, again, Basuma wouldn't have got away with that if we had an archetypal leader in the side. Because somebody like a, a Tony Adams, if they were there, a Patrick Vieira, even a Thierry Henry, mm. you know, would have been. And uh, Thierry Henry is not your archetypal leader. He's just, uh, you know, he's got a, a, a massive presence. Yeah. And he's not scared to say what he thinks. The fact is, these Arsenal players are yellow bellies, man. That's what mm. they are. They're pussies. They're a soft touch. We don't have any hard men in this team apart from maybe, I would say, Gwenduzi's maybe one. Granted, Jacques mm. will every now and then stand up for what he believes in. But the fact is, we don't have an archetypal leader at Arsenal. And you you were comparing all of us. We love you, Arsenal.co.uk. Shout out. Um, mm. You were comparing all of us writers to players. And you specifically said, and I completely agree, I am not an archetypal leader, personally. <laughs> but you are one. You are one, man. The fact is, if Me. I was the... Yes, you, man. Yes. You'll get on... To... You really are, dude. If people fuck up, you'll get on to them. Mm. I won't do that. I'm the nice guy. People, you know, people, people are like, yeah, Daniel's you. just yeah. a goofy guy. Aubameyang should not be, I'm, I'm sorry, Aubameyang should not be the captain of Arsenal Football Club. We should have somebody that is an actual leader at the team. Maybe Aubameyang could be a vice captain or something like that. I think that's a an interesting thing because as you, you wrote a few weeks ago, um, it has sort of become nothing but a formality, the captain's mm. arm, and, Um And I think if you take away from Bamiang, who are you really... Because I think Granit Xhaka has really blown his position as captain because of the incident. Who really takes it? That's the issue. David Luiz? I mean, he's probably going. We, we don't know. We should know because today is the deadline. We don't know where he's going to be um, in eight days' time. Um who can really captain us, realistically? Nobody. I mean, nobody. I wouldn't even... I, I mean, Burn Leno's got consistency to him. I wouldn't describe Leno as a leader at all, though. Mm. You know? But he is a, he is a, he's a more feisty character than I think you'd make out. I don't think yeah. he takes bullshit. He's more vocal behind his defense than people think, I think. Yeah, he definitely is. But I, I, I would argue, Alfie, that... Socrates you want an outfield is, player as well. 
Yeah, and, and Socrates is kind of like that. But again, I won't describe Socrates as a leader. You mm. know, I think you. Could I think be... there aren't that many in modern football, but we don't mm. have the characters throughout the squad. And I think this, this in general, this uh, not backing of Leno, does sort of speak to a wider problem within the squad, as you're saying, the lack of leaders, but also the lack of players with the right mentality that we want moving forward. And they spoke about this at length in the Arscast Extra. Um, we really do need a cultural shift at the club. And I think Arteta is the right man to, to bring this forward. But do we have the recruitment panel who bring in players who will sort of fit that vision and will, you know, sort of aid that cultural change for the younger players? Uh, yeah. And I completely agreed with their whole segment there. And we've obviously done a little one of our own here. Um, it's just like the fact that Gwen Doozy reacting at the end of the match was, and obviously um, I'm sure you've heard this now. He has managed to somehow, I don't know how finally a little bit of luck has come Arsenal's way. He's actually managed to swerve a ban. My um, guy. I'm, I'm honestly, I'm shocked. I am shocked to the core. I, sh- I thought he was going to get a three-game ban when I saw I don't know, like, because it. I think, and a lot of people, you know, crying about him saying that those things about Brighton players, I think a lot more of that goes on than people think. I think a lot of foul yeah. mouth and, you know, tension between players actually goes on on the pitch, you know, telling them to fuck off, telling them a shit. Uh, stuff well, like I, I wasn't actually referring to that. I was referring to the uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I was going to add to that. I actually think First of all, he poked him in the stomach, which was very light, and Mope went down and then got back up. Um, and then he sort of grabbed his uh. neck. Yeah, the, the grabbing of the neck, um, I don't know if it's as bad as it looks, but I, I do agree. I think I, I am a bit surprised he's got away with that, but I mean, it's kind of funny as well. Uh, I'm, I'm happy about it, man. I think that, you know, there's there's all these these idiots on Twitter saying, we're classing or we're not supposed to do that, you know, and shit like that. But it's like, the fact is you need players like that on your team. Mm. You know, you look at the best teams to ever grace a football pitch. Look at Real Madrid. Sergio mm. Ramos is a bastard. Mm. Sergio Ramos is a, is a douchebag. You know, there's no other way to, to label him. He's the pantomime villain. Yeah, he's, and he's, a an, extra, he's an extraordinary mm. footballer. You know, that's just the way he is. You know, and every team, I think, needs a, pe- a person like that. Guendouzi is our person like that. And then along with that... But he shouldn't need... be at 20. He shouldn't I, be exactly. that player. He shouldn't be mm. the only character in our squad. Yeah. Uh, um, it's, it's just frustrating, you know. And on, on the subject of people like that, I just wanted to give this quick little shout-out as well. It's uh, Patrick Vieira's 43rd birthday today. And my God, could we use... A uh, an individual as feisty as the uh, the French bulldozer, I guess you could call him. You know, he mm. was a fucking he was he, he was, was a baller, amazing. man. We don't have mm. players like that anymore. They're all soft. We need hard men in this team. Um, and obviously, we're gonna have to make some additions coming into the transfer window. Um, let's just transition this a bit. We've been on this subject for a while um, mm. now, Alfie. It looks like we are going to have to. Bring in a goalkeeper because mm. Bern Leno is going to be out for the foreseeable future. Um, Emiliano Martinez, I think, should be given some game time, but I think it's fair to say we're going to need another goalkeeper as well. Um, mm. well the I players, think, yeah, yeah, go on. 
I think a lot of people, when I've sort of spoken about, I'm assuming the players you're going to uh, mention, mm. people think that they're coming in as direct replacements for Martinez. Um, and I think if you if you look at the situation, Matt Macy is gone in eight days. There's no yes. news of, of, of him signing a new contract. He will not be at the club, um, which means Dejan Ilyev is on loan. The, the young Romanian, I think he's Romanian keeper. He's on loan in Poland um, and that loan has been extended. So he won't be coming back to the club. If Martinez was to get injured past the 30th of June, we would be left with Arthur Okonkwo, who has not played football in a year, has just come back to training. Um, so he won't just be able to be fit to just slot in. And he's 18 and he's, I think he's hardly even played under 23 football. So, um, mm. We we desperately need to bring in a goalkeeper yeah. past the thirtieth of June, and the problem is we can only sign players who are run out of contract because there's no transfer window open, so we can only sign free players. Mm. So that's the problem. Yeah, that's the that is the problem. And uh, uh, just just before I go on with this, just as a confirmation thing, Ilyev is actually uh, Macedonian. I just looked it up. Oh, okay. It's, but if, I yeah, just I don't I don't want us to get get any stick cancelled, or anything. Yeah. Good guess though. Good guess. Mix um, the, the, yeah, yeah. Uh, the but, Eastern Europeans. But yeah, no, mm. you're you're completely right. Um, I don't no hard feelings, man. It was like eighty countries over there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, man, we we need a goalkeeper desperately, like you say. The transfer window is not open, so they have to be out of contract. Um, mm. Obviously, the three players that have been mentioned are uh, Joe Hart, Claudio Bravo, and uh, Neto. At Barcelona mm. now, the issue is Joe Hart seems probably like the most likely, in my opinion. I was mm. just looking, uh, Kike uh, Marine or Kike Marine, uh, Kiko Marin, yeah, something like that. Kike um, Marin, yeah, yeah. He posted a uh, a tweet with um, Bravo's transfer market profile. Interestingly enough, Bravo's contract does not run out until the end of July, actually, rather really? than. Yeah, one. very, very weird. Um, so July thirty first. Yeah, so we are not going to get Bravo. Mm. We're not going to get Bravo. the The discussion that that were, that were taking place about Neto, they were talking about a loan. Mm. Um, I, I don't know if you know. Is that possible to do if there's not a transfer window? Probably not, right? Um, I don't think so. I there is think the so. situation that. I think I think we'd only be able to do this if Martinez was to get injured. But we may be able to sign someone on an emergency deal if Matt Macy's leaving. Maybe. Particularly goalkeepers. Because I remember when we signed we re we we got Jens Lehmann out of retirement because we would we needed it as an emergency deal so we could because we needed a goalkeeper. If Matt Macy's to leave, which looks likely, um I think we may be able to bring someone in on an emergency deal. I'm not entirely sure, but we may be able to. It may have to have Martinez as an injury, but I'm not sure we'd be able to do a loan in normal circumstances if Martinez doesn't get injured or, yeah. Yeah, so in all actuality, and you know, I, I said I was opposed to the uh, Joe Hart deal happening, but mm. what I didn't take into account was what you said, a transfer window ain't open right now. Mm. You know, so we kind of just have to... Bring anyone to, in. Yeah, we have to look at free agents. You know, maybe mm. sign, maybe signing Joe Hart to a one-year deal 
wouldn't it be such Probably. a bad idea? You mm. know? And I know people saying, and I admit that when I first saw this, I was like, are you fucking serious? Joe mm. Hart. I mean, he was Burnley's third choice last season, and he's Burnley's second choice this season. But, you know, who else is there? We need we need to bring someone in because we can't rely on Arthur or Conkru, um, the 18-year-old, as our backup to, to Martinez. So, yeah. and obviously we can't sign players, as you said. We can only bring in free agents from the 30th of June. So, we have to sign him, essentially. Him or Neto. Yeah. And, and I don't know who else there is, really. But also, and also Neto, like we were just discussing, it's mm. there's no saying that we can actually do that, you know? Oh, because it's alone, yeah, yeah. Because what if mm. I don't know whoever is in charge of saying yes or no to these kind of things? It's like it's not really an emergency. You still have some keepers at your disposal, mm. you know? Exactly. We are not Barcelona, you know. We can't just go sign Braithwaite because <laughs> we fucking want to, you know? Exactly. Like we would actually mm. have to. All, all of our goalkeepers would have to be like dead. Or something for us to go <laughs> sign it. You know what I mean? So I just that was basically what happened when we signed Jens Lehmann. Exactly. Out of like, retirement. Yeah. We are the one of the most hated teams there are. Mm. So I just really I you know. We'll see what yeah. happens, man, with the keeper situation. But all I'm gonna say, and we'll transition off this, um, all I'm gonna say is don't expect a world beater to walk through those doors. It's gonna be uh, mm. a pretty crap goalkeeper, and odds are Arsenal are going Joe to Hart. have a new heart put in, if you liked. Um, and that's just going to be the way that it is. Lovely um, stuff. Thank you. Yeah. Um, we do not only need a goalkeeper, though, Alfie. It is very obvious. We need mm. a lot. Our players we completely... We need a major rebuild. And I wrote about this on yeah. Monday. So yesterday. Yes. Yeah. Excellent piece, as usual. Cheers. Um, our players lack metal. And mm. that's that's just the way that it is. You know, we need guys that are going to stick up for themselves and stick up for other people. And now, this is my kind of uh, our. My, I don't know if it's unpopular or not. Mm. I'd like to hear your thoughts on this. I think we need midfield signings more than we need defensive signings. Mm, I think it's difficult. I think they're both major problem areas. Particularly for me, I know a lot of people look at the defensive midfield area, and I think that is a cause for concern. But I think the main issue is signing a creative midfielder. I think you can sort of stomach our defensive problems, but the reality is, you know, we've always been crap defensively. The reality is we're terrible going forward now, and we we need desperately a creative midfielder. Um, I think that's probably the the main priority for me after that, I would be looking at center backs and, you know, defensive midfielder. I just, I think Alfie, I think you're right. I think we need a defensive midfielder desperately, like mm. really desperately. And he needs to be hard as nails. I think Partey would be the perfect guy to bring in there seeing as he's a great ball player, whether or not that'll actually happen. I doubt, but mm. I think he'd be an excellent addition. Um, for example, I don't know if you've heard the recent reports. Um, it looks like, Carvalho to Leicester City is going well, to William. go through. Yeah. Um, wow. It looks like that's going to go through. We could have signed him about 48 times. Yeah. So, but that maybe, maybe Alfie is because mm. Ndidi is looking for a move away because they do play in very similar positions. I don't think mm. we could afford Ndidi as a disclaimer. Mm. He would be so expensive, you know, but 
that that would be maybe a decent signing as well. Obviously, like you said in one of your past articles quite a long time ago, um, Andidi not nearly as good on the ball as a Thomas Partey, so I might prefer Partey, mm. to but be honest. But he's much better defensively. But he is much better defensively, exactly. And we need all mm. the help he could get defensively. And then furthermore, like you were saying, we need a midfielder. I was saying for the longest time that we need a midfielder who's a goal threat. I think we need a midfielder who's a goal threat along with a creative midfielder as well. I think mm. we need a new midfielder. We need a player in both. We need. We basically need a new team. <laughs> Let's be uh, honest. Uh, pretty much, man. I mean, that's our what team I was is saying. Horrible. Exactly. The the damning facts in my thing was that nine of the players over the age of twenty four in our our squad, nine of the sixteen players over the age of twenty four, are out of contract in twelve months. Mm. How is Arteta supposed to launch this rebuild? You know, launch and try and implement his identity into the club and the system he wants to play when he doesn't have a clue who's going to be at the club in 12 months. There's so much instability and turbulence amongst the, the senior players in our squad. You know, we're going we're gonna to essentially be left with a few outfield players and a, young, a crop of young players. As promising as those young players are, Arteta can't work miracles. We You can't... You know, you can't. You don't win anything with kids. The classic line, um, right? Yeah. We need major reinforcements across the pitch, and I think this is really the the summer to rip it up and rebuild. You know, rip this this squad of players is clearly not good enough. They've clearly failed in our immediate objective of getting us back into the Champions League. They can't do it. We have to just accept that that's not going to happen, and we have to rip it up and say we're going to rebuild this squad completely change the playing stuff and reset essentially uh yeah i completely agree and i don't think there's any contesting that i mean the the tricky part is it's like you kind of get some sort of affinity with these players and you have a soft mm. spot for them because they play for the team that you love so much but the fact is alfie if this whole enough. team was mm. if this whole team was scrapped maybe i would keep honestly honestly I would consider keeping Leno. Mm. Apart from the young players. Apart from the young players, Leno. Mm. Leno. Who else? Yeah, Who else? Um, I mean, I'll keep like Bellerin, Pepe. Tierney. Yeah, but I'll count Tierney, Tierney as a as a young player. Like, True, if yeah, you're looking the 24s young. and below, I'd keep basically all of them. Above yeah. 24, I'd probably keep Bellerin, Pepe. Leno, maybe Callum Chambers. Um, maybe that's a firm and that's maybe. about it. And possibly Granite Shaka, and that's about it. And also, that's a maybe on Xhaka, dude. I think honestly, Xhaka mm. should be. I like Xhaka. You know, I do. Mm. I do like Xhaka. But I think the fact the that about... he's our midfield staple is a bit worrying because I it think he's a, a good player, is. but he's not. He's not an elite player, and he's sort of. The, he is the staple of our midfield. Without him, we lack any structure or any control. We are one of the biggest, not only football teams, sport teams in the world, Alfie. Mm. And our best midfielder is Granit Xhaka. Mm. That's, a, that's a problem. I don't think he even necessarily is our best midfielder, but he's our most crucial in that when he's not playing, we just don't look good at all. Mm. I mean, we don't look that great with him either, but we look... Less bad. 
<laughs> we, don't, we don't look we don't look great with our most important midfielder. I think that pretty much sums up mm. the midfield conundrum at the moment. And Alfie, just to kind of transition and mm. accentuate or explain or whatever you want to say how poor the structure is here. It is officially the deadline for these players' futures to be decided. Mm. It is 12 o'clock noon here in the United States. It is 5 o'clock p.m. there in five the U.K. PM. Five o'clock I'm, I'm sorry, man. I'm fuming <laughs> right now. I'm getting. I'm ranting. I'm getting pissed off. Mm. Listen to this. Are you ready, man? David Luiz, Cedric Suarez, Danny Ceballos, and Pablo Mari's future mm. are still not decided. I know. I mean, they probably are but we haven't heard about them yet. Um, I, I literally have Twitter opened on my laptop right now. I've been constantly refreshing it. All I've seen is that ESPN reports that Cedric's deal will be extended, and it looks mm. like the club want to permanently sign him. And the same thing goes for Pablo Mari. But in regards to Ceballos and, and David Luiz, I haven't heard anything. Mm. Nothing. And the Cedric one, is the situation is kind of insane. Oh Cedric. yeah, definitely. Um, because if we we can't extend his loan deal because his contract with Southampton extends on the thirtieth, so if we were to extend his loan deal, he would have to re-sign with Southampton for a month, um, and then we could extend his loan deal. So we essentially have to decide today whether we want to sign him permanently, or we don't sign him. And if we don't, if we don't sign him, I know you're saying we we are signing him. If we don't sign him, we would have spent five million pounds on his fees and wages for him to not play because he's not playing before the thirtieth of June because he's got a facial issue, mm. um, facial injury. So, I mean that is pretty mental. Um, but we are apparently signing him, as you've said, um, and that's what the reports are saying. It's a bit mental that we're signing him without seeing him play in an Arsenal shirt. But I think we sort of have to because we couldn't that imagine how disastrous that would look if we'd signed a player who and we'd spent five million on him only for him to not play for the club uh, it's uh, Alfie, it's it's embarrassing man it's embarrassing mm. we we've we've made a return after a pandemic played two games and we are already fucked mm. uh, like, so it feels like we're in disarray again completely. which i feel like is maybe a bit reactionary because you know we mm. we we were in pretty high spirits before that, but I think what has happened is we sort of, it's, it's a bit of a reality check. Like we thought we were sort of going out of our problems with, with Arteta, you know, coming in and making an impact. I think that was a bit, a bit of a premature uh, feeling. This is a reality check of where we are as a club. Um, we're a mid table team in dire need of rebuilding not just in terms of our style on the pitch and how we play, but also the mentality and the culture around the club. Yeah, well said. And there's no mm. contesting that whatsoever. We are in 10th place on the table. Um, we've got we've got Southampton this Thursday. Mm. You wrote your preview on it. Excellent stuff, by the way. Go check it out on weloveyourarsenal.co.uk. Um, yeah, I'm, Alfie, I saw your... Uh, Let's let's just get into the Southampton game and we'll wrap up today. That we were very efficient mm. today. Well done, man. We uh, we did we questions as well. Through. Yeah. Mm. Oh yeah, we got some questions too. Good point. Mm. Um, 
let's let's go let's do Southampton's preview get into the questions and we'll we'll draw it to a close and then mm. we'll go to our respective rooms and cry in our dark uh, <laughs> our dark confines um you will. so you wrote your preview you predicted a draw spoiler alert sorry um <laughs> i am predicting a loss i think we're going to lose this game um i looked at southampton's mm. record prior to recording um our last last 10 uh games against them in all competitions um mm. i always we think- have that mm. looking back at records is it, I know it's sort of a bad omen, but it essentially doesn't really matter. No, not really, but it just Maybe I there's think a psychological just, element to it. But yeah, yeah. I, I think it just shows how poor we are. For, uh, we are there, man. We out of ten games, we've won there three times. It's not That's like Southampton are yeah. world beaters. There's been four draws then, and then three losses. So. Mm. I mean, that's not great. We don't have a good record there at all. Mm. Um, like you were saying in your article, Hassan Hutel's side, I don't think they really deserve to be in 14th place. Mm. You know, they have a really foolproof kind of system. Danny Ings is their talisman. They're 16 goals a season, just one behind Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Mm. I'm going to ask you this. How worried are you going into this game? I am quite worried, and one of the reasons is I feel, thought we looked really leggy in the final 20 minutes against Brighton, and that was concerning considering... I know there's that element that everyone's going to be a bit unfit because we haven't played for three months, but again, we haven't played for three months. We should be quite fit. We had a lot of rotation in the substitutes and in the, the team selection. And Southampton are not a team you want to play when you're looking tired and fatigued. Maybe this five-day gap will give us the sort of opportunity to reset a bit physically, but they are relentless pressing machine. If you look at the, the pressing numbers, particularly for their forward players, they're insane. Um, Danny Ings, I think he makes 30-plus pressures per 90, which Jesus. is like in the top 5% of strikers in the world. That's um, phenomenal. For pressures, exactly. And he makes something ridiculous in terms of pressure gains, like five pressure gains per 90. Um and, you know, that is their system and they can, it can be very difficult to progress, to, to play against. And we've struggled against teams that do that, particularly as the games go on. I think we sort of start and then the opposition realise that we're not that great and they will continue <laughs> and they sort of build themselves up and they sort of press harder and harder. I think that's going to be a real factor in this game and I think it's going to be a problem. Um, and I think we could struggle. Which is why I think the team selection is very important that we go with a slightly less sluggish midfield and we go maybe a bit more fresh in there and play some agile players. Pack, you know, sort of athletic, um, energetic players alongside Gwendouzi in that midfield, and which is why I went with Maitland-Niles and Saka beside mm. him. Yeah, uh, do you want to go with your... Uh, I know you put it down in your piece, but do you want to go with mm. your uh, starting eleven? Let us know what, what yours is. Yeah, sure. I went Martinez. I was about to say Leno. Of course, it's Martinez. Everybody um, hurts. <laughs> I just want to die. I just want to die today. I don't want to be alive. Yeah, that's it. It is. Uh, yeah, I went Bellerin, Mustafi holding Tierney. I think Tierney will come back in. I think the rest of the back four is sort of no other options. Um, and then I went Gwendouzi, Maitland-Niles, Sabas. I just think Maitland-Niles deserves, but he doesn't necessarily hasn't necessarily merited a, uh, 
opportunity there. Maybe he has, maybe he's been training exceptionally, but I think it's a, an opportunity to sort of change. I think Sabaros looked particularly leggy in that Brighton game. Mm. Um, and I just think you need a bit more athleticism in there, particularly when you're playing a pressing team to sort of allow you to play out of it. Um, you need that agility. I think Willock's definitely a shout as well, but I think I'd go Maitland-Niles for this game and give him that opportunity, as well as Sacco, who looked excellent in that Mazzala role. Front three, I think Nketiah should replace Lacazette. I thought I actually don't think Lacazette was poor against Brighton. I thought... Um, you know, some of his hold-up play and interchange play mm. with, with Aubameyang was quite good. But I think he doesn't seem to offer a goal threat away from home, even though there's no real home advantage. And I think it looks like Nketiah and Lacazette are rotating in this period and Nketiah can press a lot. And I think being able to counter-press a pressing system is a very useful asset to have. And I think he'll offer that. I think Aubameyang and Pepe will play in the wide positions. So yeah, that's my team. That's and that's the one you would go with, or that's what you think is going to. be? That's what I would go with. I think okay. it, I don't think it will be too dissimilar to that though. I, I think, think maybe Maitland Niles mm. won't play, but I think the rest of the team is quite likely. Yeah, I'm just I'm looking at it here. I'm looking at your article. I think mm. that my predicted lineup is going to be that one you put. But instead of Maitland Niles, I think he'll probably go with Ceballos again, mm. um, which I don't agree with. I, I would like, like, I'd like I Maitland Niles. Willock might start, or there's a shout for Willock starting as well. I don't mm. think I'm not sure Maitland Niles will start though. Mm. Um, as per your lineup though, I I too went with that back four, and obviously goalkeeper is going to be Emmy Martinez. Um, I mm. went with Bellerin, Mustafi, and Holding, who neither of which, in my opinion. I don't think either of which played that poorly against Brighton, to be mm, honest. I think Mustafi was poor on the, the winner. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. But other than that, I think I think he was pretty stable throughout the game. And mm. holding, coming back, I thought he was thought good he on a the good ball. Game. Yeah. yeah, assured performance from the uh, newly returned guy who was out for mm. ages, you know, so he deserves some respect for that. I think yeah. there's also a shout, possibly, but I know we're in dire straits in that uh area at the moment but i think there's a shout for holding to maybe be rested but i don't think we have the luxury of being able to do that at the moment to be honest so uh exactly i think i think holding will play um there i i have an article being released today um that's that's talking about uh zek medley and Mm. if he deserves a chance i don't think he deserves a chance spoiler alert (laughs) on that article um i i just think i think he's too raw at the moment, and especially against the pressing machine like Southampton, I don't mm. think Medley should play in this game. I do think he's he's pretty good on the ball from what we've seen and from what I've heard. Yeah, he is. But with that being said, he also only has had nine appearances with the U23s this this season. Mm. You know, he's very raw. He deserves yeah. the uh, the luxury of fermenting a bit longer. Is how I worded it. Um, he deserves. Fairs to age a mm. bit longer. I don't think, I think throwing him in this toxic ass defense right now could just ruin his career. Yeah, so just I wouldn't do that. <laughs> ruin him, his career. Uh, like you never know, man, these guys suck. So just yeah, keep him true. away for right now. Um, mm. I agree. We're going to go tyranny as the left back. I think that's pretty much a guarantee barring any mm. craziness. Uh, I like Gwendozi as kind of that mm. regista. Um, yeah. Maitland Niles and Saka, I do like those guys as the Messiahs, to be honest. I would like that. Mm. I'd go with that as well. Front three, I do have a slight adjustment. I would go with Enketi up top. I would go with 
or uh, sorry, no, I wouldn't. <laughs> I would go with um, with Aubameyang down the center. I'd like to see that. Mm. I'd like to see that, despite what you said, and I agree with it. Aubameyang not playing poorly against Brighton. He worked his, his, mm. his ass off. Um, I'd like Pepe on the right. I'd like to see maybe Martinelli come back. Mm. I think that's an interesting point, and I think that's. I wouldn't be opposed to seeing that. I think I don't think Arteta's going to do it. Maybe. I don't know. That's not what you're saying. I think that he likes having that player who can sort of drop short a bit and hold the ball up a bit better. Something that Aubameyang doesn't really do. Provide a bit of a focal point, and that's sort of what Nketiah and Lacazette do. And I think that's why Aubameyang and Martinelli aren't really playing at the same time because he likes Aubameyang to play in that inside forward role where the onus isn't on him to hold the ball up, it's for him to make those diagonal runs in behind and get in to the goal-scoring positions. And Aubameyang and Martinelli are sort of the same in that sense, which is why I don't think he's going to do that. But I wouldn't be opposed to seeing it. I think Martinelli deserves an opportunity because he's an exciting player. Yeah, and I I just think think Martinelli's industry and his hard work ethic and everything like that would really help us in this game. However, Mm. the front three that you went with, Pepe, Enketia, Aubameyang. And by the way, I rate Enketia. I quite like what he brings to the table, or to the to the mm. side, rather. Um, I think that's what he's going to go with. So, mm. yeah, there's that. Uh, your prediction? Yeah, I went 1-1. <laughs> mm. that's, that would be a depressing result, but I think the, the result would. I'm predicting is going to be even more depressing. I think we'll lose 2-1. Mm. It's not hard to believe. <laughs> no, it's not. We've, we're yeah. we're dire straits at the moment. Um, let's get into. At least s- we'll destroy Norwich. Yeah, they just beat one uh, nil. <laughs> true. Yeah, we'll we'll just dis- we'll edge past them uh, measly mm. w- three goals to two. No wait, we don't score. We don't score. I forgot. <laughs> one, nil. one nil. A Birmingham eighty sixth minute. Yeah, for real penalty. Mm. They're just kidding. We don't get those. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um. Let's get into some some questions. I've got one. Yeah. I've got a question. Um, and then <laughs> you I'll let not, you, then. I'll let you get up, uh, get into some of yours. Mm. Um, my question on Twitter comes from Max at AFC Max Nine. Not like he needs a shout out. He's quite large on the platform. Um, one of our mm. writers for We Love Your Arsenal. Big, big up Maxim. Big Maximus. up. Big up yeah. Saint Maximilian, the Gwenduzi of the team. Um, <laughs> yeah. He says, where do you see the long-term future of Saka? And then in parentheses, he says position. So, Alfie, what position do you see Saka in, in the long term? Obviously, he's been playing in that kind of Messiah role. He looked good mm. there um, in the in the previous fixture, but do you think his long-term future lies there, or is it going to be somewhere else? Well, I think when, when I heard these things about him playing there in the friendlies and that Arteta was going to do that in this game, then when I saw the team sheet, I've got to say I was slightly... Questionable. Not that I didn't think, um, not that I didn't think he could do the role, but I think what was sort of best about his, about him, what am I saying? Well, I think I think like one of the best things that we've seen about him when he was playing at left back and from left wing was his creativity from that left hand side. His his brilliant deliveries that we saw consistently. So I was a bit skeptical when he was playing centrally that he wouldn't be able to bring that. But I think. In this Mazala role, it really does suit him because, you know, he can interchange with the wide play. He still gets in those positions to swing the ball in. And he's, you know, he's very good at dribbling. He can play balls through. So I think it's going to be very interesting because, you know, I thought he was nailed on to potentially be a left back because he's got all the qualities to play there. But I don't know. 
we've seen with versatility that it can sort of work both ways. You can, you know, be a very useful player that can play in a number of positions and play regularly, or it can sort of work against you, as we've sort of seen with Maitland-Niles in that it can sort of derail you. You always be used as sort of a utility player rather than sort of a starting player in loads of different roles. So I think maybe it would be better for him to nail down, but I think I think long term he will be a winger, if I'm honest. Yeah. But I think he'll he'll be able to play in, in sort of central areas or as a left back, which will which will be useful, but only if he's really needed there. I think long term he will be a winger. Yeah, I think a long I, answer. I, yeah. I, no, no, no. Great answer. I think it really does kind of depend on what kind of system we go with going into the future. I just think that Saka's the kind of player that's so good that he will manage... This is such a cop-out answer, by the way, so sorry, Max. Um, I think he will manage a way to find a role no matter what system we're playing. He's that good of a player. Now, in in regards to what you were saying, Alfie, um, how you had some reservations over him maybe playing in the center rather than out wide, I think that Saka's athletic capabilities are so outstanding that sometimes we fail to acknowledge how amazing he is technically he's very technically good along with yeah, being such a good athlete yeah oh yeah he's a, he's you know you look at his cro- the quality in his crosses and his wide deliveries they're exceptional exactly he's he's one of those players i think no pressure he's going to be the best player in the world no i'm just kidding uh no pressure he <laughs> he really could uh he could be one of our main men in the future. I do think so. I think that he's got such a high ceiling. It's just about getting the best out of him. I would not be opposed to his future maybe coming in a Mosiah role. You know, I quite liked him there. But obviously, that was just one game. So maybe that's a bit reactionary from me. But I mm. agree with Alfie that I think, while I would like him playing in the Mosiah role in the future, I think his future will come as a winger because just the the kid athletically is amazing. He hit the crossbar obviously in the Brighton game. He assisted mm, with the his goal. Weaker foot. I I mean, mm. wow, what a strike that was. If that would have won in, woo doggy. And I mean, you remember his uh his first goal for the club. Forgive me, I forgot which shitty ass Europa League side it was against. Frankfurt. Oh, that's not that shitty. Sorry. Um, <laughs> um but uh yeah, excellent strike from outside the box. I mean, he's overall an incredible player. I just hope, like Alfie was saying, his versatility doesn't come back to kind of bite him in the ass like it seemingly has done with uh, Ainsley Maitland-Niles. So that was a bit of a long answer to your question as well, Max. Like you said, good conversation starter, and it was. So, good question. Yeah, I agree. Um, Moving on to Instagram, we've got a question. Good question from uh, Luke underscore Bolton. Um. And they actually got this question in the Askcast. Um, do you think the pay cut uh, deferrals and you know wage cut things uh, has have, have had an impact on the performances of the Arsenal players? Um, do you think that it's alienated them slightly? Uh, I don't know if it's alienated them or anything like that, to be honest. Uh, I think maybe it's kind of pissed them off a bit, maybe off hmm. the pitch, but I'm not sure if... If that would translate directly, they should be able to compartmentalize it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I love the fact that I included that because I did not know what that meant until I listened to Ask Cost, and that is just a phenomenal. It's it's two words, phenomenal two words phrase. You you do realize I'm going to have to inevitably 
put that in one of my pieces because I just like the way that sounds so much. Compartmentalize. Com- yeah, it's mental. Fucking hell, that's a long word. Hold on. Com- it's two words. Compartmentalize. Is it? Yeah. It's compart. Oh, yeah, it is. Yep, yep, yep. Mentalize. Yeah. Fucking hell. Divide mm. into sections or categories. Oh, but this is another one too. Pigeonhole. <laughs> yeah. Well, they should be able to compartmentalize. Um, or, know, pigeon, playing or, or pigeonhole. Off the, yeah, pigeonhole. The things <laughs> off the pitch and the things on the pitch. Yeah, I completely yeah. agree. It's an I, interesting question though. It is. It is. And, you know, I think mm. that maybe it got under David Luiz's skin. Because um, mm. I think that he's probably one of the few that bring his off the pitch kind of stuff onto the onto mm. the pitch. So, uh, but other than that, I I don't know what you think, but I don't I don't think so personally. Mm. I agree. Uh, what else have we got? I'm trying to look for decent questions. There's some yeah. shite ones like favorite L. player. Yeah. Well, there's what players do you think will come for, to Arsenal? From Gunner underscore center 10. No offense, that's a shite question, mate. Probably none. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, and this one I just found funny. FWBH2019 says, Do you think Arsenal's loss against Britain, Britain instead of Brighton, <laughs> signals the end of them being a top table club? <laughs> I mean, yeah. A top table club? Or like yeah, a quality question, that. Okay. Yeah, I think um, we're gonna get. I think we're going to get relegated. Yeah, exactly. To the second um, table or division, like most people yeah, would call it. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Gunner talk, which is Alex Trad, one of our writers. Shout, shout out, Alex. Alex. Shout Rock out to geezer. the shout out to the vocabulary professor himself. Mm. Shout out to the Pablo Marie of the group. Um, Agreed. Yeah. Uh, ops on Emmy Martinez between the sticks whilst burned is sidelined. Um, I wrote an article about this a while ago. I think that he deserves a chance given how long he's been at the club. He's been a loyal mm. servant. I think if this didn't happen, I think he would have been out the door. Well, what did he say? Um, I'm not leaving Arsenal to the day I'm number uh, first choice. He said that a few years ago. He's finally first choice. Um, <laughs> Bye. <yeah. laughs> so that's a big moment for him. But yeah, I think he's a he's a good enough goalkeeper. I don't, he's not... Obviously not the level that Leno is, but I think he can do a job there in the short term, and I'm happy for him to do that. Um, J underscore Lovell 31 asks simply, do you think Mikhail Arteta is the right man to bring us back to where we want to be? What are your thoughts? I think it's very hard to tell at this early stage, but I do think, I said this in my piece, I do think all the signs point to him becoming a very good manager even if it doesn't work out at Arsenal I think eventually he will maybe it's a bit early I think Mm. he's got the attributes he's got the personality to sort of instigate this uh, culture change that we needed at the club and he's supposedly got the coaching capacity you know the way he can develop players the way he can implement uh, good tactical systems I think from everything we've heard it seems like he does have the attributes to be that man I do think it's quite early to sort of assess that and we'll only really know next season really we won't know this season no matter what happens you, you can know, lose the rest of our games i don't think you can make that definitive judgment yeah exactly and and the the this is so damning 
All right. And this is a really kind of pessimistic way to look at it. I, th- I think Arteta coaching wise is gifted. I think his candidness is what is needed at this club. Mm. But I think that me that may be when or that might be what finds his head on the chopping block in the future. I think that Arteta Arteta is not scared to call people out. Mm. Alfie, that's that plain and simple. And I don't think our board like to be called out, just like every other board doesn't. You know, and I think that uh, if the Cronkies kind of fall under the impression that Arteta is questioning them, especially if he does so publicly, they will say, we need to get this guy out of the club, even though what he's saying is right, because they don't want, uh, they don't want a mole within the, within the side, you know, and maybe that's me being overly presumptuous, you know, because I don't know if Arteta would actually publicly call out the hierarchy, but Mm. I think that he's made it known that he himself is a good coach, but he needs the backing of the mm, he does. Of the hierarchy, you know. And if if they don't give it to him, I don't think he doesn't strike me as the kind of character who will just defend them like Arsene Wenger did, or just kind of lay down and die. You know, I think I that he will call them out. It's an interesting point, actually. I haven't yeah, really so thought about that, but yeah, we'll see, man. I think I think Arteta. He, not only was he kind of an underrated player, I think he's just an underrated individual. He's a tenacious motherfucker, isn't mm. he? You know, he he will get, he will get on to you. He will get on to you. And I think that's what we need at this club. I think we need it in the players too. So if the hierarchy are willing to bring in players that can match the intensity of Mikel Arteta, I think he will be the future great manager of Arsenal Football Club. However, if they're not, he won't be. Fez, I think that's an interesting point. I would agree. Um, Abhay underscore warrior. Nice. Um, I know. Sign him. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> His uh, profile picture is uh, Homer Simpson. Oh, very um, nice. Yeah, very nice. Uh, he asks, um, if Aubameyang was to leave, would you trust Gabby and Saka to fill the void left by him on the left and provide the goals or and try to invest in different positions or would you be signing a replacement? Um, I, I wrote a piece about this. I said the future front line is already mm. at the club. Um, that's my yeah. opinion. But with that being said, I think expecting Martinelli, to, Martinelli and Saka to kind of put up Aubameyang numbers and stuff like that is a lot to ask. So, mm. and especially at this early stage in their career, in the future maybe, but as of right now, I think they need more time. I agree, and I think, yeah, I think to rely on two teenagers to provide the sort of output that he's providing, I think, is quite unrealistic. Particularly if you, if you look at Martinelli, I know he scored ten goals this season, which is a brilliant return for his age mm. um, and for the the what he came as but you look at it three goals in the Premier League it's like, like to ask him to ask them to fill that void would be a massive ask and I do I don't think you can lose someone at, of Aubameyang's calibre and just not replace him I know I don't think we're going to find a replacement at Aubameyang's level with the budget we've got and I don't think there's many players around his level that are available but I think we would need to replace him with a more senior player. 
um, I don't think we can rely on them. That's my yeah. honest opinion. I would I would completely agree. Mm. Um, Peter underscore Bradley says, uh, simply, would you sign Ceballos? Hmm. Uh, I quite like Danny Ceballos, to be honest. I do quite mm. like Danny Ceballos. I like, the, I like what he brings to the table. I like the way he plays. I think it's just kind of a matter of this, the the system that Arteta wants to wants to go forward with. You know, I think that if he wants to go forward with a system that has a midfield trio with the Regista and two Mazayas, I'm not sure that Danny Ceballos is the man. To be honest, you think he's better um, in a pivot? Yeah, I think he's better in a pivot. I'm not sure because I don't think Ceballos is a Regista at all, and I. Don't think that he's a Mazzaia either because I don't think he's quite athletically capable enough. He's very good um, in terms of his work rate and his defensive work rate and his attacking one as well. But if that's a system Arteta wants to go forward with, I wouldn't sign him. But if he wanted mm. to go forward with a system that has a pivot, then maybe so. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I I don't I think it depends on the asking price. I know he gets he's true. He, he gets quite a lot of criticism, Sabias, actually. In recent weeks, I, I think he's really, a good player. I don't understand player. it. Yeah, I think he's definitely a good player. He's definitely a good player. And if you look at his age profile, it's the sort of player we would be wanting to get. The problem is, as you said, physicality is a bit of an issue in terms of athleticism. Um, he's not the quickest, and that can occasionally leave us exposed defensively. I know he's he's a good tackler and stuff, but if he's being run out with pace, generally he's going to be a bit left a bit exposed. I think it, it depends on the asking price. If we're having to pay forty million in this financial climate, I don't think that's feasible for us to be signing him. If yeah. we could pick him up for twenty million, um, which is obviously, which I think is a very good price for for a player of his um, caliber. In this window, I think that would be a quite a good signing to make, and I know that might be slightly unpopular with some of the performances put in. Against, for example, against Brighton, he wasn't great. I would probably do it, but yeah, I think it depends on the the price tag. Look, I mean, the thing is, he's twenty three years old. He's mm. he's good going forward. He's good at defending. He's a good player. I think with Ceballos, I think he's just kind of a victim of the time the frame in which, I, and not only mm. that, but the time frame in which he's playing. If Ceballos was around you know, a few years ago when that Spanish style of play where you maybe didn't necessarily have to rely on athleticism was more I think he would have been excellent uh, under Wenger. Probably so. Yeah, exactly. So I think he might just be a bit, uh, he's he's a bit of an, I don't want to say old-fashioned, you know, but the Mm. players now that play in the position that he plays in are expected to be. He's very Spanish, essentially. Yeah, exactly. He's very Spanish Mm. the way he plays, you know. Extremely good technically. Um, but not an athlete, you know, not really a presser, can't really play in a pressing system and not, yeah, not an athlete really. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So I think that there's definitely a question that could be asked of, is he, you know, is he well suited to the Premier League? Honestly, Mm, I like him personally, but I would also understand if we didn't sign him because like Alfie said, I think 40 million pounds is a bit much. And that's what the reports are saying. I agree. Um, yeah, that's about it. There's a few more All right. not great questions. Um, uh, will Alba win the golden boot? Um, phenomenal question, that. Yeah. Uh, really I, I, great debate. 
considering we, c- considering yeah. we'll probably not score any more goals this season, I doubt <laughs> it. Um, <laughs> exactly. Uh, now, yeah. I, I think that I think that'll do, Alfie. We said we were going to try to go for about yeah, an yeah. hour. It's been yeah, about exactly. an hour twenty. So let's let's cut let's it. Draw this um, close. Mm. Yeah, let's draw this bad boy to a close, like I so love mm. to say. Um, yeah, uh, a marketing opportunity of a lifetime, Alfie. What do you got to plug, my guy? We love your Arsenal. Excellent. And yes, at WLYA blog on Twitter. Yes, sir. Also, go follow at Canon Podcast on Twitter as well. I'm mm. going to try to be more active on that one as well, Alfie, just yeah, because yeah. We, need a, we need a good following on that Twitter because I know we've got some awesome listeners that tune in on a weekly mm. basis. You can question their, you know, their sanity, but yeah. yeah, and their life choices, but we do still appreciate them a lot. Um, mm. Yeah, go check out our awesome website with a team of sublime writers and go mm. check out the Twitter page as well. We do greatly appreciate it. Also, leave a review on this podcast and share mm. it anyway that you can, and we really appreciate that. Um, we'll see you guys on the next one when we are inevitably, inevitably, hoof depressed after a uh, Southampton loss. And what's the game after that again? Uh, Norwich. Oh no, Sheffield United FA Cup. Okay. All right. Yeah. So yeah, we'll get back to you and we'll talk about some more Arsenal stuff. So. Thanks again. Thanks a million for tuning in. Sorry there was no trivia this week, but we just kind of figured that we actually have stuff to talk about. And frankly, Alfie against me and a trivia would be a complete fucking mismatch anyway. So That'd be raping. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. I, damn it. I thought we could get through this podcast without you saying rape. Jeez, that's not a good thing to say. No, oh. not at all. Alfie, canceled. Dude. All right. Yeah. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we'll see you on the next one. Alfie has officially ruined this podcast with his <laughs> foul mouth. Um, we will see you on episode 48 next week. Thanks for tuning in episode 47. Toodaloo, mm. motherfuckers. Bye. Tell him I'm past it, pull up on cross it. I'll bury that shit top corner. I'm a winger on the left, cut right. You can play me on the middle, I'm still top scorer. New studs on my boots, I'm blessed. No shin pads, I live on the edge. I got my belly on the pitch, but the referee's pissed. Finna pop that nigga in the chest. Hey, hit a thing with the outside foot, like Roberto. Ball in the air, all curvy. Man, I chew gum like Fergie. Big Kino, man, do more dirty. Huh? All my guys are ball like.